that uh, is called God's Ethics. And as you just saw in the little intro video right there, for those who were here last week, what we're talking about is living a life according to God's standards, not by our own standards. For those who were here last week, the series is really based on a statement that was made by the early church in the very, 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 very beginning as soon as Christianity was just starting to form and Jesus had ascended up to heaven and the Holy Spirit came down and the church started to spread, then the early, early, early guys, they wrote a statement, okay? And that statement said this. And it was more than just a statement. It was actually a way of life. They said there are two ways, one of life and one of death and a great difference between the two ways. That comes from the Didache, chapter 1, verse 1. And basically what that statement was the summary of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ in one sentence. There are two ways. There's one way that leads to death and one way that leads to life. And unfortunately, the two has a great difference between them. Now, the tricky thing is that at times the two roads seem to intersect. And remember I told you all last week this story about how I was driving over to visit someone who was three hours away and I thought I was on one road. But when I wasn't paying attention, when my driver wasn't paying attention, okay, we slipped off of this road and we ended up on this road. And this road goes this way and this road goes this way. And the, and the same thing with these two roads of life. There are some tricky interchanges where you start off on the right road and you say, I'm going on the right road. But it's easy to sometimes get sidetracked and distracted. And then you look at the very, very end of your life and you realize I'm not on the right road at all because the two roads end in different places. So what the goal of this series to do is just like me when I was traveling the wrong road on the way to that visit. It wasn't until I pulled over and I asked the man at the gas station, hey, where am I? It wasn't until I stopped and made that, uh, I stopped and asked for directions that I found out where I was. That's what the goal of this series is as well, is to stop and ask for directions, is to pull the car over and to say, am I on the right road or not on the right road? And what we're doing is we are going to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ when he spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. His very first public sermon of, 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 of note that is documented in the scriptures, all right? And in that passage in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus spoke about the laws of the way of life. And he said that the rules of this road and how it's different than this road. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through that. And the goal is, like I said, is that we realize which road we're on and we see how we can make sure we're on the right road. I didn't bring this verse up on the screen, but there was a scary verse I showed you all last week. And I didn't want to bring it because it's a scary, scary, scary verse. Scariest verse in all the scripture. In Matthew chapter 7, which is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus gives the whole list of all the, not only say the rules, but the mindset. Because remember we talked about it before, it's not action-oriented, it's mindset-oriented. It's not do this, don't do this. It's think this way about sin and life and, and the things in this world the very, very end, after Jesus laid out all the mindset that we should have as Christians, he said in Matthew chapter 7, it's verse 21 and 22, scariest verse. Remember what he said? He talked about how many people will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord. Many people, not a few people, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Uh, do many wonders in your name? And he will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness, you who practice lawlessness, depart from me, you who walked on that road your whole life. And you come to me now and say, let me in here. You walked on this road your whole life. And I sent you signs saying, do not enter. You entered. And I sent you things saying, wrong way, turn around. This road leads to death. Depart from me, you who ignored all the signs and lived your whole life on that road because 
that road doesn't lead to where it's supposed to lead to. But we're not trying to think about the negative. That's why I didn't bring the verse up there, okay? That we're not trying, we're trying to be positive. All right, we're trying to go, like I said, me and my buddy was on our way to Westover, Maryland. We were on the right track. We're all on the right track. And then all of a sudden, we get distracted along the way. And that's what this series is, is to see maybe where we may have gone astray or been distracted. Like I said, we're not talking about actions. We're talking about a mindset. And I'm going to prove that today because today we are going to look at the one statement. The one statement. If you want to talk about Jesus' craziest statements that he ever made, the most not relevant, not applicable, no way can be practiced, outdated, old-fashioned, crazy, 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 crazy statements he ever made. That's what we're going to start this series off here today with. And it's a statement that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. Look how crazy Jesus is talking right here. This is crazy talk in the world that we live in today. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Every one of the statements that we're going to look at throughout this series is Jesus saying, you guys have heard this rule. Well, I'm lifting the bar to this. You have heard that you shouldn't commit adultery. I'm telling you, looking. Next week, we'll look at anger. He says, you have heard, do not murder. I tell you, do not be angry, and so on and so forth. You have heard it said, love your neighbor. I tell you, love your enemy. Jesus raises the bar. But come on, man. Like, are we serious? Is this, is this 2014 applicable? Like, this, this, is, this is not real life. This is, okay, back when people wore, all wore, like, uh, dresses and robes like this around, and, and there was no TV, okay, and there was no movies, and there was no radio, and there was no mall, and there was no beaches, and there was no, like, life. Everyone just lived in a cave. Okay, everyone moved to a cave and do this. But today, we don't live in caves. Today, we live in a place. And is it possible that I would go to the mall and not look? Is it possible that I would go to the beach? Is it, like, let's be honest. We can't even make it through the day at church sometimes without thinking the wrong thing and looking the wrong thing. Like, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Like, we're, we're not just going to take this and say, okay, it's not, let's be honest. This is not realistic. Every time, I tell you, the one place that, that you see this is I don't watch much TV. I watch sports, right? And, and I, when I watch, I don't like watch live TV, okay, because it's, I feel like it's a waste of time. So I DVR things and watch it later on. So just to, as a side note, never, ever text me on a Sunday the score of the Redskins game, okay, or congratulations, anything like that. I, the game ends at 4. I don't start watching till 5, okay? So please, just do me a favor. I never, okay? So... Luckily, I get to avoid commercials, all right? I, we don't, I don't uh, do that much stuff like movies and radio. I, don't do that. I, watch, I listen to sports talk. So I avoid a lot of these things. But you know where you can't avoid it? The grocery store. You go to just pick up a thing of milk for the kids, and you can't get to the grocery store without reading about who has a new body and who's new parts and who's. <laughs> Are you going to come to me and tell me whoever looks at a woman in lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart? We live in a sex-saturated society, and no one would disagree. Let me give you some statistics that make you scared. Watch this. A study was done a couple years ago on the TV shows, okay, and the movies that are in society today, the popular TV shows, popular movies. And they selected 1,100 randomly selected shows. So they just, 1,100 randomly selected shows, all hours of the day, stick their finger in the TV guy and just 1,100 randomly selected, not just at night, Day, night, not whatever channel. 
Sexual content on 72% of the programs that were randomly selected. 72%. So you turn on the TV at any hours throughout the day, 70% chance you're going to end up seeing something with sexual content. Movies, oh, I'm sorry, and that number, just so you see, that number was 56% in 2004. It used to be 56% in 2004, now it's up to 72. Um, movies, or first, sitcoms. Sitcoms, which is what we usually watch. Like, we don't usually watch shows at, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Sitcoms, 8 to 10 o'clock time slot. 84% of sitcoms have sexual content or sexual language or sexual innuendo. Movies, even worse, is 89%. And I, as a dad, have discovered this applies to children's movies just as much to adult movies. Don't think that children's movies are exempt from this. This hits those children movies, but it's just in an innocent way that we've accepted that we don't even realize. But then when you have a little six-year-old daughter who's watching in like a sponge, then you realize all the stuff that's in those movies. What are these movies and television shows telling us about sex? Telling us how good it is, how pure it is, how great marriage is? Primetime, this is a study from three years ago. Primetime television had 14,313 incidences of sex in one year. In one year, primetime TV, 14,313 incidences or references towards sex between two people. What percentage of that is outside of marriage? 91%. 14,000 times in a year span, talk about a man and a woman having sex or two people having sex. 9% was in marriage. 9%. The rest was outside. And I'll give you the worst statistics, last one of them all. In the last five years in our society and media, the characters having sex that were teenagers has tripled in five years. The characters on TV having sex who are teenagers has tripled. And Jesus says, don't think about sex. And Jesus says, don't let it cross your mind. Don't look. By the way, when he says here, looks at a woman to lust for her, he's not just talking about look with the eyes. Like the term look, I'll give you the, the definition of look, okay, coming from the, the Greek word that Jesus used right here, means to behold or observe, to turn the thoughts or direct the mind to a thing to consider, to contemplate. So it doesn't mean just look with the physical eyes. It means look with the, the mental eyes, to contemplate, to observe, to behold. So I just showed you all those statistics about how sex is all around us. And Jesus says, don't look, don't think, don't observe, don't behold. Is this practical or not practical? How is a young boy, young man, this is not a boy, goes to college? I lived on a college campus. If you live on a college campus, you know that the rules of regular society do not exist on a college campus. It's a whole set of, new set of rules. How is that boy... Especially when the, when the, like I'm being honest, when the weather is warm, how's that boy not supposed to look? When all around, the way that the ladies are dressed, how's he supposed to not look? How's a woman, a married woman, a married woman who's struggling with her husband and is really struggling with her husband, not supposed to even think, not supposed to even think of what life would be like, you know, with that man that he's nice and he shows me attention. How's she not even supposed to think it? Not even supposed to cross her mind. Like, come on, man. How is anybody supposed to watch any TV show, go to any movie, listen to any radio show, and not think and not look in any kind of way? Well, the fact that we're asking this question, I think, says more about us and the society that we live in than it says about Jesus and his command. 
The problem here is that we have lost an under, a proper understanding of what sex is and how it's meant to be viewed and portrayed. So what I want us to do today, we're going to go through four facts. We're all over 18 here, right? Okay, good. <laughs> we're go through four facts. Biblical facts, nothing bad, don't worry. Okay, nothing bad. Okay, four facts. A proper, biblical, godly understanding of sex and sexuality that when we understand it, this verse will make a lot more sense. All right? We'll start easy and get a little bit harder as we go along. Number one, simple. Most important thing. Sex is a precious gift from God. And when I say sex, I'm going to talk sex and sexuality. Okay, those two, using them interchangeably here. Our sexuality is not bad. It is not sinful. It is not like some people think the original sin between Adam and Eve was that they had sex together. Okay, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's, that's very, very, very wrong. Sex was created as a gift from God the Father to his child who is man and a precious gift. We want to avoid two extremes. The first extreme is overly casual with sex. That's what I said society is. The other extreme, which we go to sometimes in the church and messes us up, is we go to the ultra paranoid. And don't talk about it. And don't think about it. And it's very, very, very bad. And, and if you have to do it in marriage, just make the sign of the cross and go. <laughs> I know married people. Like, forgive me. Forgive me. I know married people. More than one. Married people. People who are married. People who kept themselves pure. People who never had sex before marriage. Get into marriage. And, and like, sorry, I'm going to say it. They said, it still feels wrong. I'm like, no, it's allowed now. They said, you know what? It still feels wrong. And I'm talking about people who have been married for a while, and they say it just feels like it's wrong. Like we have to get through it, but we have this mentality. That's a bad mentality, but don't swing to the other side and say that that, that side is bad as well. Truth of the matter is God created sex. It was invented by him. He's the one who designed. He's the one who made the bodies to fit in a certain way. He's the one who made it to be an extremely pleasurable experience. He's the one who made it to allow a man and a woman to feel so close, to be united, intimacy, oneness, not just in a physical way, but in a spiritual and emotional way. He's the one who invented. Saying that God is against sex because he puts rules on how it's to be used is like saying that I, as a father for my children, am against driving because I don't want my kids to have a license till they're 16. Or I don't want my kids to have a car till they're 16. If I tell my child, no driving till you're 16, does that mean I'm against driving? No. That just means I understand there's a proper way and a proper time and an improper time. I am pro-driving. The less I have to drive around those little guys, the more the merrier. I could have slept in yesterday instead of get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and drive them their football game and soccer game. I'm happy that the kids drive. But not till it's the right time, and then they have to do it in the right way. And I'm not against driving just because I have rules on its proper use. Well, God is the same way. What it says here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. It says, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. By the way, who wrote this verse? Who wrote Hebrews? Who? St. Paul. St. Paul wasn't even married. Single guy. The same guy that sometimes we use his words to go to this extreme and say, because St. Paul says when he was celibate, he's saying, I wish that everyone would be like me. Okay, and he's saying like, like I, basically what he was saying is, I found a great life for me. So sometimes we use that and say, that we should all be celibate. And only if you're very unspiritual, then you get married. False. Same guy saying marriage is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. You see? Marriage is honorable, 
the marriage bed, talking, referring to sex and sexuality, is pure, undefiled, but those who use it the wrong way, God will judge. Okay? That's number one. Sex is a precious gift from God. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Number two. Your sexuality has the power to fulfill or destroy your life. Your sexuality, when used according to God's standard, best thing ever. When used against God's standard, worst thing ever. You know what your sexuality is? It's like fire. Fire is a gift from God. We have fire. We can warm ourselves. Okay, we can cook stuff, make s'mores. All kinds of good things happen when this fire was invented. But if you use fire the wrong way, you're going to regret the day that fire was invented. Same thing with water. This earth, 75% water. And water allows us to do a lot of cool stuff. Wash, drink, okay, swim. But if there's too much water, then we'll all drown. Sex is the same way. A gift from God that when used properly is an image. Listen to this one. Is an image of the unity between God and man when understood properly. And in the context, is an image of the unity between God and man. So when used improperly, destroy your life. Look what Jesus says. Okay, so Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman lustfully, that's verse 28. Look what the verse is right after that says. Okay, we'll start there and go down. I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Same sentence. Or I'm sorry, same, same like speech. Next sentence. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. Clear from this passage, without going into too much detail, Jesus is not messing around here. Jesus is not joking around. We see this passage about casting out the eye and cutting off the hand. It's connected 100% to our sexuality. And what Jesus is saying is, don't mess around there. He's saying if you've got a problem in your eye, you don't fast and pray about it. You don't put eye drops in your eye. You don't do the, you know, the thing that are the, the, the thing with the towel that our moms used to do. Don't do that. You got a problem in the eye, but it's causing a problem in your sexuality. You cut that thing out. Same thing with your hand. Why is Jesus so serious here? Because Jesus knows the power of our sexuality. Later on, he's going to talk about lying. He didn't say if you lie, cut your tongue off. He's going to talk about stealing. He didn't say if you steal, cut your hand off. He didn't say if you yawn during Father Anthony's sermon, cut your face off. <laughs> but when it came to sexual sin, cut it off. Don't mess around because we are playing with fire here. And your sexuality has the power to fulfill you in ways that you didn't know was possible and to destroy you in ways that you didn't know imaginable either. 1 Corinthians, St. Paul says this, chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. Why sexual sin is so bad. It says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. I lie, I sin against you. I sin against God too, but and, and I sin against you. If I steal, I sin against you. If I curse, I sin against you. If I commit sexual immorality, who do I sin against? I sin against me. I'm not hurting you, I'm hurting me. I am hurting you in the process, but I'm hurting myself. Okay, well, who am I? Remember Daniel playing? We discussed this. Who am I? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, 
and whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You're not sinning against someone else only. You are sinning against someone else. You're sinning against yourself. You're sinning against your own body. Okay, well, who's my body? It's God's body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. The person who commits sexual immorality, some, I don't know if you, like vandalism, okay, when we were kids, or other kids used to, like, you know, uh, toilet paper in someone's tree. You know, remember that? Okay. Other kids used toilet paper in someone's tree. And the bad kids would, like, throw eggs. We never did the eggs. Okay. We did the toilet paper. It's harmless. Okay. <laughs> the eggs was, we never did damage. Okay. We just fun. You doing it to your own house. You're sneaking out in the middle of the night with carton of eggs, and you're throwing it at a house, and it's your own house. You're TPing your own tree. You're vandalizing your own room. And then worse, who walks in that room and says, actually, this is my room, is the Holy Spirit. You see, ladies and gentlemen, as someone who grew up loving to watch TV, okay, I we watch TV all the time growing up. I love to watch TV. TV failed us. And it, it hurts me to say that. TV, who helped raise us, <laughs> TV failed us. Because TV lied to us. TV told us that sex is only physical. TV shows, and forgive me, I don't know any modern shows. I'm, I'm old school here, so I'm going to say the shows that when I was a kid, okay? Shows like Friends, my least favorite show in the universe, lied to us. It lied to us. They lied. Because they told us that have sex as much as you want, and there are zero consequences. You remember shows Sex in the City? Okay? Shows like that. They lied to us. They didn't tell us about the pain, about the hurt, about the guilt, about the shame. Do I need to continue? They didn't tell us about it would actually would not help us to feel closer. Happy actually would make us feel further and more distant and more isolated and more lonely. They lied to us. Television shows lied to us. Jesus tells us the truth. Jesus says that your sexuality is not just the same as a handshake. It's not just a high five. That those who disobey God's rules when it comes to sexuality, go look at the statistics. Depression, higher. Self-esteem, lower. Guilt, shame, likelihood of success in so many different aspects. I know that's a general term, but I don't want to get into specifics. You go look at the statistics, and you will see that sex is much more than just physical. Because we were created, in the beginning it says God made them male and female. Sexuality was programmed into our, the fiber of our being. Didn't say he made them doctor and engineer. Didn't say he made them tall and short. Didn't say he made them uh, this color or that color. What, who we are, the definition of us as beings is our sexuality. And if there is a sin in our sexuality, it permeates into every aspect, every relationship, every decision-making of my being. Problem is, is we don't see it. But just because you don't see it, you know what it is? I'll draw you a picture. I'll draw you a picture. Imagine somebody falls into a river. Okay, you, you fell into a river, a rushing river, all right? And you're drowning in that river. You're screaming, and save me, and save me, and ah! You're screaming, and then you look up, and you see that the river ends in a waterfall. You're screaming, somebody save me, somebody save me, and you're freaking out because I fell in the river, and I'm going to die. I don't make it, this is the worst thing in the world. And then while you're freaking out, you look around, and you realize other people fell in the river too. 
But the other people at Felton River seem to be having a good time. They're kicking back, enjoying a drink, laughing, music, dancing in the water. You say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't that bad. It's not that bad. He seems to be okay. She doesn't seem to be freaking out. People in the front, like, they're okay. So you know what, it's okay. Whether you smile or cry, you're going to fall over the waterfall at some point in time. The fact that there's safety in numbers is not truth. Just because many people are in this river and don't seem to be bothered by the river doesn't mean that not everyone's going to fall and crash to their death at the very end of this river. That's society we live in today. Well, so-and-so watches. I've been watching this TV show all these years. My friends all watch this show. They all listen to this music. They all do these things. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not Mother Teresa, but we ain't, we ain't a criminal. Like, what's wrong with a little looky-looky here and there? What's wrong with, you know, a daydream here and there? What's wrong with just a flirtatious, a giggle? What's wrong? This is such a big deal. That gets us, that gets us to this question. What is adultery? We need to define it because Jesus said that whoever does this has committed adultery. What's adultery? I used to, before Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, I used to think adultery meant when a married woman had sex with someone outside his marriage. Like a married man would have sex with someone so he committed adultery. Or a married woman would commit adultery. Humor me for a second here. Humor me, okay? And luckily my wife is not here at the moment, so, okay. Just, I'm doing just for the sake of example, okay? And I could use you as an example, but that would be rude. So I'll use myself as an example. Okay. Imagine that me, I'm a married man. My wife's name is Marianne. She's the best. She's not here. Okay. <laughs> I get on an airplane. Okay, just a couple days ago, I was on a plane flying from the West Coast back over here. And I get on a plane. And, you know, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like a lady came to me and said, hey, are you Father Anthony? And, you know, and I, was, <laughs> I don't want to brag, but you know what I'm saying? So the lady came to me and said, hey, are you Father Anthony? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, you're the best. And I said, I know. <laughs> and we had this nice little conversation, okay? This is the end of the real story. Now is the fake story, which is not true, but just for the sake of example. Let's say she's coming back to D.C. and I'm coming back to D.C. I say, hey, you're a nice lady. Why don't you come over to my house? My wife isn't home. Why don't you come over? Let's hang out. Okay or not okay? And let's say when she comes over, this is make-believe, okay? We sit on the couch together and we get giggly and cuddly. And funny. Okay or not okay? And then, I don't need to draw the rest of the picture, okay? Okay or not okay? Okay or not okay? Don't think. <laughs> no one should be doing, okay? Not okay. Okay, you know what? Let's say, let's make it a little bit more okay. Let's say that my wife is home, but she's just upstairs. We're going to hang out in the basement. Is that Okay. Let's say, okay, we're not going to do all the activities, but we'll just hold hands and stare at each other. Okay or not okay? Not okay, why? Humor me. I'm dumb. Humor me. Why is not okay? It's wrong for me to do those activities? It's wrong for me to do it with anyone other than Marianne. Not that the activities are wrong, but the activities with anyone other than my wife, equals adultery. Would you agree with me so far? I didn't say anything wrong so far. Anytime that you do married people that I, 
do married person activities with someone other than the person I'm married to, that is adultery. Everyone agree with me? Here's the part where I may di- your opinion may differ than mine. I don't believe there's any difference if you're single or married. I believe that anytime you do married people stuff with anyone other than your spouse, the person that you are married to, that is adultery. That's why I define adultery this way. Adultery is any sexual gratification outside of God's plan. And God's plan is marriage. Whether you're single or you're married, whether you're young or you're old, any sexual gratification outside of God's plan, which is marriage, equals adultery. These activities, if I do them with my wife, are okay. If I do them with someone who's not my wife, not okay. If you don't have a wife, it's not okay. You see how I'm going with this one? It's only okay. See, we look at it at the opposite. Of If I'm married, those things are bad. But if I'm single, there's no rules. No. God didn't say what's wrong. God said what is right. God didn't say what's wrong. God said what is right. And what is right is one man and one woman married together, go to town. Outside of this, don't touch. Don't look. Don't think. So if you're married and you go outside of this, adultery. If you're single and you're not in this, adultery. You see how I'm going with that? And by Jesus taking it to this further point of saying that even to look after a woman lustfully is to commit adultery. What Jesus is saying, it is not just sex outside of marriage. It's not just kissing outside of marriage. It's not just holding hands outside of marriage. It's not just giggling. It's not just flirting. It's not just looking at stuff online. It's not just reading trashy novels. It's not just daydreaming about your coworker. It's not just laughing at his dumb jokes. Any sexual gratification which comes outside of marriage is adultery. That ain't easy. That is not easy. But you see, remember how last week I spoke about ethics versus obedience? You see the difference? Ethics is based on society standards. So by ethics standards, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. If I just flirt, I didn't do anything wrong. Especially if I don't get caught. I really didn't do anything wrong, okay? But by God's standards, that's not obedience. Obedience means don't do anything outside of this. By ethical standards, then the line varies. And this is okay, this is not okay. And it goes, we're not going by ethics. We're going by obedience. The issue, in an ethical point of view, adultery is cheating on a person. Obedience, if there's no person in the picture, is disobeying God. Ethics, adultery is when you cheat on a person. Obedience, disobedience is when you break God's commands. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 5. You want to see how, 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 the, how the, 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 the standard, how Jesus raises this bar? Ephesians 5, verse 3. We did an entire series like two years ago about Ephesians 5, 3. It says, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. You see that? It's the difference between ethics and obedience. Ethics is be better than everybody else. Here's the median. Just kind of be above that. Obedience, not even a hint. Not even a hint. Not a thought. Not a look. Not even a hint. Or of any kind of immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be 
upset. Watch how he takes it even further. Not just what we do, not just what we see, not what we think, but even what we say. There should not be obscenity. Foolish talk or coarse joking. I think we can put in parentheses there, flirtatious behavior. Okay? Foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. Watch what he says. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. I'm not trying to get into God's wrath and God's punishment. I told you all this last week. It's not about actions. But what he's saying is very simple. Don't let anybody fool you. There are two rows. There are two ways in life, one of life and one of death. And there's a great difference between those two ways. And if you see all these signs on your road, you are not on the right road. If you see sexual immorality and you see impurity and you see foolish talk and coarse joking, you are not on the right road. And I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. But I'm telling you, this road does not end. Remember last week, Maryland versus Delaware? This road does not end in Westover, Maryland. No matter how much you want it to be, no matter how much you really, 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 really wish it does, it does not. These things are signposts that say you are on the wrong road. And don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. Parentheses, friends, Chandler and, and uh, other people. Don't let them deceive you with empty words and tell you that everything is okay and tell you it's not that big a deal and tell you when in Rome. Don't be deceived by their foolish, empty words. Now, let, let me take a step back here, and, and this verse kind of scary. I told you in the beginning, who created sex and sexuality? God did. So why would God create something, and then the second he created, tell you don't touch it? You ever wonder that? Like, here's your sexuality. Don't touch it. He slides the pie right in front of us, and he moves it right away. Actually, worse. He doesn't move it away. He puts it in front of us. With a little sign that says, we'll be killed if tasted. <laughs> Why make the pie? Again, remember the verse? Didache 1.1. There are two ways. Way of life, way of death. Asking this question, we, 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 we have a, such a misunderstanding of sex and sexuality. Asking this question means that we flipped everything backwards. Because now we're not looking, remember how I told you last week, that the way of life, obedience, is not the command. We are not commanded to obey so that we may live. We are told that it's the condition, not the command. And what I mean by that is we are not saying, obey or I'm going to judge you. What he is saying is, simple, this is the road, this is what it means to be on this road. You, if you are not walking this road... Then you are not, if you're not walking these, these commands, you're not going to be on this road. It's not because I'm, it's the same way when, remember the example I showed you last week? If I say, if you jump off the building, you're going to die. And you say, why are you so mean? Why are you so judgmental? I'm not mean and judgmental. It's something called gravity. And if you break the laws of gravity, it will break you. And if you break the laws of God's sexuality, it will, unfortunately, it will break you as well. Imagine my son. Imagine you have a son or I have a son. And that son likes to ride bikes. And that son likes to ride. And he's got, tell him, you know, ride around the neighborhood, stay on the sidewalk. If you want to cross the street, just let me know. Look both ways, count to ten, whatever it may be. Okay? And these are the rules of riding your bike. And then all of a sudden, he gets connected to this group of bad kids. And the bad kids tell him, hey, let's sneak. And let's go up the mountaintop and ride bikes on the mountaintop. And he knows he's not allowed to do that. 
And he knows that it's dangerous to do that. But then because he's a good boy, he says, I don't want to sneak behind my dad's back. So I'm going to ask my dad. Dad, you love me, right? Yes, son. You want me to be happy, right? Absolutely, son. You gave me the bike. Yes. To enjoy. Yes. You like it when I'm enjoying. Right? Yes, yes, yes. I gave you the bike. I want you to have fun on the bike. Well, Dad, I have the most fun when I ride on top of the mountain. Don't worry. I won't ride right next to the edge. But can I get five feet away from the edge? Can I get four feet away from the edge? Can I get three? Can I get two? How close can I get to the edge, Dad? What is any father going to say? What's any father going to say? How close can you get to the edge, son? You ain't going up that mountain. You ain't going up that mountain. You're not going to. You wonder how close you can get? You can get nowhere close to that mountain edge. You don't love me. You don't want me to be happy. All the stuff we said to our parents when we were young. You don't care about me. If you cared, you'd give me freedom. You heard this one? You said this one. If you cared, you'd give me freedom. No, son, even though you don't understand it, my not giving you freedom is actually the greatest side of my care and love for you. I love you so much that I take away your freedom in this case because you don't know what you're doing. And God says the same thing with sexuality. It's not because God doesn't love us. See what I'm saying? We, we made it backwards. God taking away? No, it's not God taking away. It's in fact the exact opposite. It's God giving. And God wants to give to us when we abide by his standard. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. There's so many verses that talk about God's standard, but we'll just pull a few. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you. I want you to read this, and this is what God's saying. This is what I want for you. And this is why you need to do this, because this is what I want for you. The will of God for you is your sanctification. Not your guilt, not your shame, not that pain, not, not, not the loneliness, not the low self-esteem, not the depression, not, not all that junk. My goal is for you to live up here, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. How many people come? How many people come? And the answer is 100%. How many people come in confession to the priest and say, I hate my lust. My lust, I hate my lust. I'm a slave to my lust. I hate it. It makes me want to vomit. This is not what God wanted for us. God designed for us to live up here. That's why he says stay away from this because this will enslave you. Not because God wants to take away our freedom, but because God wants to give us true freedom so we can really enjoy that bike the way he was meant to be ridden. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man. Watch this one. But he rejects God has also given us his Holy Spirit. Compare this, what God is doing. Compare this with our usual mindset. Because remember, I'm talking about mindset, not actions. Compare it with our usual mindset towards sin, or towards sexual sin. You know what our usual mindset is? It's a diet mentality. Diet. We know, okay, what's a diet mentality? A diet mentality is, this is bad for me. And this leads me to not feel good about myself, this nice food, okay? It leads me to feel guilty and feel weak and feel fat and all this stuff. So I'm not going to eat it. But let's be honest. No one can really resist the sweet chocolate, the pie, the cakes, the ice creams. No one can really resist those things. So therefore, I'm going to cut back as much as I can 
What's the big deal about a little nibble here and there, right? Nibble. Diet, ethics, I'm not going to go to town. No, I'm not going to the buffet no more. But little Ben and Jerry's on the side, not a big deal. That's how we approach sexuality. Yeah, 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 we know it's bad. We shouldn't like, yeah, but I mean, what's the big deal? A little look here, a little relaxing on the internet there, a little daydream, a little flirt, a little... We know we shouldn't. Right? Sounds reasonable. Sounds logical. It is 100% false. It is the wrong view of sin. Remember last week I said sin is not a line. Sin is a slope. And the one who has the right Christian mindset knows that a little nibble is a step down a slippery slope. And you may be very high up the mountain. More power to you. That's fantastic. But any step down, you never know. Go look at the greats of the Bible. I always say, the three people in the Bible who could not resist the sexual sin. Three people who could not resist. First, you got King David. King David was the most spiritual man. Man after God's own heart. Saw Bathsheba, over. He looked, over. He committed lust with her in his heart before he committed lust physically. One step, slip. Who was the smartest man? Who was the wisest man who ever lived? Solomon. He really got messed up because he couldn't control his lust. All right. The 300 wives, 700 concubines, whatever it may be. Who was the strongest man who ever existed on this planet? Samson. His undoing. Like he's not the dumbest man, okay, the way he gave in to Delilah. The smartest man, strongest man, the most spiritual man. Every single one of them thought they were too smart, too strong, too spiritual. But that slippery slope took them all down. And you think you're a better man than them? Or lady, okay? You think you're more spiritual? You're more strong? You're more smart? I'm not trying to depress anybody here today. Okay, I'm going to finish up here positive, but I want to be very clear that what I'm saying here is the difference in the standards. What I'm not saying is that if you have lived this way, that it's too late for you or you're too bad. I'm not saying anything like that. What I'm saying should hopefully encourage you that, the, that the, the, the spiritual life is a slope, not a line. Because if you think of it as a line, if you've already crossed, you're done. And there's nothing you can do. That's not true. That's not Christianity. It's a slope. And you may have walked all the way down to the bottom of the mountain. But I'm telling you today, today, every one of us is going to walk out of these doors and going to be faced with the temptation in front of us. And that temptation in front of us is a chance to either go one step up the mountain or one step down the mountain. This is how we need to look at life. We don't look at it as a line to cross. We look at life as everything in life is a challenge, is a temptation, is a test. Everything in life. You're, you turn the TV today, you go to the Skins game today, you turn it, commercial comes. You have a choice. You can keep flipping or you can, you have a choice. You go up the mountain, you go up the mountain, you go down the mountain. You get a thought, okay? You get a thought in your head, ladies, a thought that you know that is not a good thought. You have a choice. You can get rid of the thought, get away from me, or you can indulge the thought. Every decision you make today is a step up and down the mountain. So don't let anybody feel like you've gone too far this way, but also don't let anybody feel that you're safe because you've gone so far this way. Every step in this life is a challenge to go up the mountain or down the mountain. And that leads us to our last point right here. It's very simple. And I hope this, 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 this rings through my words and, and my, my, 
everything that I'm saying, that obeying God's commands leads to receiving God's promises. We're not obeying just because God said, I told you you have to. We are obeying because God said, here's a road with all kinds of promises. And the toll booth to get through there is something called obedience. And when you obey, you receive. And you obey, you receive. And that's why we obey. We never forget the goal. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 10, a famous verse. He said, I have come not to make you miserable. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I said it before and I'll say it again. The commandments of God are not about what God wants from us. They are about what God wants for us. The commandments of God, I'll say it again, are not about what God wants from us, but about what God wants for us. And any parent in this room knows that from experience. That we give our kids commandments and we tell them to obey, not because we want from them, but we want for them. We want them to be happy. We want them to be healthy. We want them to live a beautiful, successful, full life. And therefore, we give them commandments about when they can and cannot cross the street and where they can ride their bikes and where they can't and where they can stick their fingers and where they cannot stick their fingers. Not because of what we want from them, but what we want for them. Have you ever read a story by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce? Anybody ever read that? Okay, I have not, but I have read the summary of it. And I'll tell you the summary of it, okay? The Great Divorce is an allegorical story, all right, which is, means fictitious but tell, teaches a lesson, okay? And it's about the ghost of a man. Correct me if I get anything wrong here, okay? The ghost of a man, okay, the spirit of a man. So he's a ghost, he's not real. And this man is afflicted and enslaved by lust. And lust is represented as this little red lizard, okay, who like enslaves the man. And anytime the man wants to go somewhere, little lust whispers in his ear, Tells him, tells him what to do and controls him. The man hates the lust. But the man can't live without the lust. Because an angel of God comes to the man and offers to slay the little lizard and to kill him. And the man wants to say yes, but he can't. Because he needs that little lizard. He can't imagine life without it. And even though the lizard, I hate the lizard in the long run, in the short term, the lizard kind of makes me feel kind of good. He debates it back and forth. Finally, he gives in. He can take it no more. And he tells the angel, kill this little lizard. So the angel in one second comes, breaks his neck. Lizard dead. The minute the lizard dies, the man is transformed. The spell of lust is gone. And this man now becomes a new man. A real man, a fleshly man. He's given a body. And now all of a sudden, he is gloriously remade into something which he never was before and he never realized was even a possibility. And the story goes on. Not just the man is remade, but the lizard is remade. And the lizard does not die, but is transformed into a stallion, a white horse. And the man mounts the horse and the horse soars up into the highest heavens. Man, that's what God wants for us. That is what God wants for us. Don't let anyone leave here today and think that what I'm saying is, you better do this or God is going to punish you. I told you before, I told you many times again, I don't care what you do. I don't care. 
I care that you know the truth and that you know what is available to you. And then you make whatever decision that you want to make. Who's ready to commit to God's standard? That's my question to you. Who's ready to commit to God's standard? Who says, I, want to be, I don't want to be enslaved to this little lizard no more. I want to soar on the highest place. I want God to take my sexuality and not make me a slave to it. But in fact, I want God to let it, my sexuality, to let me rise up above. We, unfortunately, we live in an instant gratification society. You want a snack, you pop it in the microwave. You go hot pocket right in the microwave. One minute, you have a scalding hot snack. You want a cup of coffee, now they have them little carrot things that in two seconds you have a cup of co coffee. Or you can run to Starbucks anywhere. You want a friend, just go Facebook.com. You find many friends, Twitter, you find friends. And when we feel unfulfilled, there's a thousand ways that we can use our sexuality to find little nibbles of fulfillment. But you will never, ever find long-term satisfaction outside of God's standard for your sexuality. I asked who's ready to commit. Look at your handouts, you see? There's a little place at the bottom. Last week, I passed out these little handouts, these little cards, all right? It says, I'm willing to strive to live in obedience to all God's commands. Remember, we talked last week. Strive is different than, I'm not talking about the result, I'm talking about the process. You may fail, you may fall short, but if you strive, I'm striving to get up that mountain. And I told you to keep this till the end of the series. We're going to hear every week about a different component of God's commandments. And then at the end, yeah, I'm going to call you out on this. But in the meantime, we'll take it step by step. Today we talked about God's standard for our sexuality. Who's willing to take that step? I, I'm not going to collect these. This is for you. Okay? <laughs> don't, don't think that, it, like, this is for you. Who is the one who says, I want to soar like an eagle? I want God to transform my sexuality make it the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm telling you, put your name on that paper. Sign it. And you want to really be a man, or really likelihood of success, sorry, sign it and go share it with someone. If you're married, share it with your spouse. Actually, don't share it with your, I mean, share it with your spouse, but share it with, if you're, share it with another guy, if you're a guy. If you're a girl, share it with another girl. Share it with a close friend. Hold each other accountable. Say, I struggle with this. Look, let me tell you a secret. You want to pretend that you don't struggle with it so that nobody knows. Everybody knows. It ain't a secret. You're the only one who thinks that nobody knows. You know how everybody knows? Because everybody else suffers, struggles with it too. You sit there, people come to me in confession and say, I want to say, everyone here struggles. Like the next person can come after you and say the same thing. The next person can come after you and say the same thing. We all struggle. We live in a society where it is impossible not to struggle with lust and sexuality. It is impossible. Unless, even if you don't have eyes, you have ears. You don't have ears, you have a brain. Like it is impossible. Share it with someone else. Say, help me through this. Let's help each other. Let's build each other up. Let's not try to fight this Lone Ranger style. Let's go at this together because we are better together. And we're supposed to be in community with one another. And we're not always supposed to pretend like we got it all together. My challenge to you is to make a decision today with this one aspect that I will live according to God's commands in the area of my sexuality. Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for your, your law. We thank you for your commandments. We know, Lord, that it's not given to, to take away our freedom and enjoyment, 
but to give us the true satisfaction and fulfillment and to give us the true abundant life. Lord, I pray that you would change our way of thinking, like wash our minds from this sick way of thinking that the world has given to us, looking at you as if you're trying to take away our fun. Give us to trust you when it comes to these important things like our sexuality, to give it to you, Lord. And we know that we got a ton of challenges and problems and and temptations waiting for us. But Lord, today we want to take that first step and say that we commit. We commit, Lord. We commit to striving to obey all your commandments and to living above reproach in this area, that not even a hint of sexual immorality, not even to look or to think or to behold any other person other than the person that is your plan for us in a lustful way. Lord, we can't do this on our own. We need you so badly, Lord. But I pray that you would really pour your grace upon us, that we can walk according to your commands and live this life soaring with the eagles. I pray all these things in the name of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Just to remind you guys who are coming for the volunteer huddle, as we announced before, it's going to take place in that room back there right away. So feel free to mosey on back. There will be some snacks and refreshments. Have a great week. See you all next week.